1: If someone were to point out the most ugly thing you've ever done, you'd be embarrassed to no end in the presence of anyone here. But guess what? The universe knows what you have done. Your life is an open book before God and before angels and worlds. And guess what? If you have Jesus wrapped around you, the robe of Christ's righteousness, you have no reason to be ashamed because Christ stands for you in the judgment day.
2: That's Pastor Michael oxen and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's Reaching Your Heart is the second portion of the wedding garment. That's the wedding garment. We brought you the first portion of this last time we were together, and we will complete this broadcast now. If you did miss any portion of this message and you would like to listen to it again, you can find it at reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Imagine we get up there and we say, Well, you know, the Lord brought me up here. It's a good thing He did, because if I had not made it... God's character would not be fully revealed to the universe. It's a good thing I'm at the feast. Would that sound right at the kingdom feast? Or would it be a better thing to say, you know, I'm a rotten rags kind of person. I have really messed up in life. And I met the son in my life. And He showed me the cross of Christ. And there I learned a lot about me. Nothing good in me, but boy is He beautiful. And as I came to know the Son, I came to know the King. And I came to know the forgiveness of the King. And the change in me is not my change, it's His change. I don't see it in me but I see the beauty in the sun. Those are the kind of people that are going to be gathered for all eternity at the kingdom feast, rejoicing in what Christ has accomplished. In verse 3, the king sends his servants to call those who are invited to the marriage feast. The Greek here uses a perfect tense verb in verse 3 to describe the invitation. Literally, he sent his servants to call those, in the Greek, who had already been invited to the marriage feast. The first call is not given to unbelievers. The first call comes to those who have known the truth. It comes to those who have heard that there is a marriage feast to attend. It comes to those who have a knowledge of prophecy. It comes to believers who have every opportunity to understand the prophecies and the gospel, but who need to be reminded of the call of the king. It comes to Christians who have become callous to the call and no longer care about the prophetic call of the king to come. In fact, it comes to Christians who have had every opportunity at the end of time to respond to the invitation, but they have grown tired of prophecy. They've grown tired of the idea there's a kingdom feast at all. And so they look at other things. The king sends his servants because the king wants his people to have the greatest of opportunities to attend the marriage feast for his son. Sadly, in verse 3, the text ends by saying, they would not come. So what does the king do when his guests who have already received an invitation, will not come. In verse 4, the king calls them again. That's how kind the king is. He goes at it again. Again he sent other servants, saying, tell those who are invited. Behold, I have made ready my dinner. My oxen, my fatted calves are killed. And everything is ready. Come to the marriage feast. And notice the focus of this verse. The sacrifices have already been had. You don't have to do it again. In the sacrifices that are complete, the feast is ready. You know, Jesus died on the cross because the sacrifice of Christ is good enough to get you into the kingdom of God. Verse 4 says plainly, everything is ready. The Greek is a perfect verb. Everything has already been prepared and made ready. God invites you and me, friend, at the end of time to a feast that is not based on our achievements. It's not the fruit of our good efforts It is not made ready because we are good or bad. It is ready only because the King is the one who in His power and love and providence has made it ready. It is ready only because the King has taken the initiative to make sure that everything is in place so you can get there. In the parable, the only way to get to the feast is to accept the invitation to come. Sometimes we make it so complicated. You know, we act like people cannot come to Christ and be found in Christ by choosing Christ. This is not the way it is. When you heed the call, you come. Verse 5, but they made light of it. And they went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. Verse 5, they made light of it. Here are believers who don't value the invitation. In fact, these former believers become hostile to it and fight against it. In Matthew 22, 5, it uses the verb amaleo, which literally means to neglect it. They didn't make the invitation a priority in their personal lives. Other things were more important than the king's offer. It's a principle that those who neglect the prophetic call to come will in time persecute those who give the call to come. So they seized the servants the second time and they treated them shamefully. And then the text says they killed them. Notice the response of the king in verse 7. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Revelation 17, the great city Babylon will be burned with fire. Revelation 18, this cross connects directly to the book of Revelation. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Now, if you go back to religious history, the great Advent movement arose in the 1800s at the end of the Middle Ages. A people who are aligned with Bible prophecy that begin to proclaim the coming of the Lord. The Bible is saying that time would elapse when there would arise a generation that came out of that movement that would no longer heed the call and no longer feel the urgency to heed the call. Friend, he is pointing to an Advent believing group here that in time leave the ranks of God's people and align with the enemy. And so the danger is among us that we can forget our prophetic calling and thus lose our way at the time of the end. And so the king has made the double invitation to call them back, and it has not been heeded, and then they join with those who persecute. What is it that makes someone worthy for the kingdom feast? I ask that because so much talk occurs in the church about being worthy. What is it? Is it a religious pedigree? Is it social status in the church? Is it having the right job in the right place? Is it success? Is it church membership? In this parable, a guest is worthy only because they have responded to the king's call to come to the feast, and thus they have chosen to honor his son. No other factor is considered in the king's judgment on his guests. Those who heed the call and come are worthy, those who refuse are not worthy. It is our response to the kindness of the king that makes us fit for the feast in the mind of the king. This truth becomes a little closer. To us and clear in verses 9 to 10. Take your Bibles and look at that. Go there for where? Where does the text say? Where do we go? To the thoroughfares and invite to the marriage feast as many as you find. The Greek word for street here indicates a street that is a main highway on the outside of the city. The city represents those on the inside. The thoroughfare describes people who are coming to the city or leaving the city. So, outsiders, it does not describe people who live inside the city. So here are people who can come to know the truth, but don't necessarily know it. And so the focus moves outward, not inward. Verse 10, And those servants went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found. And I like this phrase in Jesus' parable because it kills perfectionism dead in its tracks. He invited both bad and good. Which word comes first in the Bible? Bad. God wants bad people in the kingdom of God. Did you hear me? Maybe you look in the mirror and you've got to be honest with yourself and say, that's me. He wants you in the kingdom of God because he wants to take a bad person and transform them with the love of his son. And so the bad are invited, the good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. You know, all kinds of rotten people are going to come to Christ at the time of the end. The church is going to be filled with people with shady backgrounds, with rotten pasts, with criminal acts. It will be filled with those who are good and noble as well. And they're going to get into one church and focus on the Son of God. And they're going to be saved, transformed by grace in one body at the time of the end. I like the way the Bible says it. They invited all whom they found. Don't pick and choose who will be a good believer for God's people. Invite your neighbors. Invite your friends. Invite your families to come to church. Invite anybody, good and bad. Bad and good is how Jesus put it. So the last call to this planet is an evangelistic call that goes out to every single person who will hear the call. No prejudice on God's part will cause anyone to be lost at the time of the end. The king sends messengers to invite everyone to the feast. In the final call to the marriage feast, friend, there is no distinction made, as I said, between evil people and good people. What makes a person good is if they heed the call, and God invites bad and good. Verse 11. Here we have a picture of the final judgment. But when the king came in to look at the guests, that's an investigative judgment. The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king in Matthew 18.23 who wished to settle accounts with his servants. That's an investigative judgment. Here we have it again in verse 11 of Matthew 22. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw that there was a man who had what? What's his problem? He had no wedding garment. And said to them, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. There are people who want to join the church but who do not want Jesus. There are people who want to join the church and focus on themselves and not Jesus. There are people who want to come in on their own terms and claim to be perfect when they have not surrendered their proud hearts to Christ. Thus they have not the robe of Christ's righteousness. Now my wife and I, we went on one cruise in our life. Has anyone ever been on a cruise? A few of you have. Has anyone been on the Princess Cruise Line to Alaska? That's the one to go on. It's the one we went on. Someone, in fact, Dad paid for us to go. He's here today with my wife. Hey, Dad, thanks for the cruise line, you know. My wife here was in charge of making sure I got ready for it. And I'm not picking on my wife, but it's kind of funny what happened. She said, well, honey, you always wear your suit to church. Don't bother to bring one on the cruise line. Just bring, you know, simple clothes, T-shirts, and relax and stuff. Well, she packed a nice dress, and when we got there, we discovered there was this massive banquet that they were having, and all the relatives showed up. Some had tuxedos or suits, and all I had was jeans and a t-shirt sitting next to my wife in a beautiful dress. And I never will forget, when this guy came up to me, who was the waiter, and I was asking, taking orders, he said, who are you? And he was implying, how did you get in here? Don't you know what's going on? This is a feast. You're supposed to dress up. Friend, God's wedding feast at the time of the end for His Son is one in which you need to dress up. We come to church. I think we need to prepare for church by not being casual but deliberate. That doesn't mean we should judge someone for how they dress, but we should be deliberate because we're coming before a holy God. But in the judgment, we are to be real deliberate. We cannot appear naked before God. And so we are to have a garment on us, and that garment will determine whether or not we belong or not. And that garment represents the righteousness of Christ that is a gift in Jesus for every believer that comes to know Him. So what does this garment represent in the Bible? It is the outward evidence in the context that the guests have responded to the call as it was sent by the king. It is a recognition that they are satisfied with the king's invitation and they don't add to it. It's a recognition that they are not ashamed of the king's preparation and planning. It is a recognition that they believe the king when he said everything has already been made ready. They come to the marriage feast the king's way and not in their own way. The gift of the marriage robe, friend, represents the righteousness that comes by faith in the king that comes through his son and for his son. No one gets to heaven with a robe that they make. It's a robe they receive that gets them there. Now, Jesus based this parable on Isaiah 61, verse 10. Let's look at the verse. Isaiah is saying, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. You see, if you're glorying in how good you are, you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping you. But if you're glorying in what God has done for you in Jesus, the robe that has been given to you as a gift, so you are accepted in Christ, you are worshiping God. And so we are to give glory to God. The text says, He has covered me with the garments of righteousness.
2: Pastor Michael Tanker will continue in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine, We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart.
1: You know, there are places in your life that are ugly, like there are places in my life that are ugly. And if someone were to point out the most ugly thing you've ever done, you'd be embarrassed to no end in the presence of anyone here. But guess what? The universe knows what you have done. Your life is an open book before God and before angels and worlds. And guess what? If you have Jesus wrapped around you, the robe of Christ's righteousness, you have no reason to be ashamed. Because Christ stands for you in the judgment day. Isaiah says God's gift is the basis of our rejoicing because it is His righteousness. Legalism comes to us in different ways. I've seen a legalism on the right among conservatives, Pharisaism. And I've seen legalism on the left, Sadduceeism. The Sadducees type of legalism will try to do good social things to make it look like you're actively promoting the cause of God. And they get comfort because of their activism. But on the other side, the legos try to do things in their personal life to make sure they look perfect. Both are rotten to the core because we must quit focusing on what it means for us to look good. And we should start focusing on what it means for Jesus to look good because we have been clothed with His righteousness Because of the king, the judgment is no longer some fearful day to dread because it's not our robe in play here. It is a marriage festival and a celebration of his righteousness and his gift in Jesus Christ for his people. I hear people saying, well, we need to preach the gospel. And many people don't even know what it is. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ died for. For our sins. And he'll say that that is the single most important truth in the apostolic gospel. And if you do not give it up, you will be saved. And some people will say, well, you know, he really didn't do that. He couldn't have died for our sins. It's a pagan idea. That's a departure from the New Testament. You need someone to die for your sins. Jesus did. So, what happens to the believer who stands in the judgment without the righteousness of Jesus Christ because he came up with a false gospel at the time of the end? What happens to a believer who doesn't put on the garment of salvation but tries to bring his own robe to the feast? Look at verse 13, Matthew 22. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. There men will weep and gnash their teeth, for many are called, but what? Few are chosen. I want to be one of the few. Why do few respond to the call? Because people want to add something to the king's call. People want to do something to make the king love them. And the simplicity and beauty of the call is rejected because of human pride. Friends, righteousness by faith is taking the pride of man and putting it into the dust so that the glory of Christ can be exalted in the life. There will be no self-righteous person who makes it to God's kingdom. Everybody thought that Chris Spielman's greatest love was football. In the end, they were wrong. When Chris said, I do, he meant every word of it. Marriage to him meant commitment to her more than to himself. His greatest love was his bride and not the game, and he proved it. Chris enjoyed a brilliant career in the NFL. He was a record-breaking linebacker for the Detroit Lions and the Buffalo Bills. He once said, God made this game. I thank God every day that I am an NFL player. Chris had a lot to be thankful for in life, and most people thought it was football, that that's what he lived for. They didn't take careful note of his beautiful bride. Chris met his wife, Stephanie, when he was 17 and she was 15. And these childhood sweethearts matured, and they got married. A few years later, they had two children, a little girl and a little boy, and then they tried for a third. But three months into her third pregnancy, Stephanie had a miscarriage. They were absolutely devastated. To make matters worse, Stephanie did not heal. She kept on bleeding. When Chris persuaded her to go to the doctor, they discovered that she had developed breast cancer. She was then taken into surgery and the cancer was removed along with some lymph nodes. Her journey now will be a longer one. And then Stephanie began that grueling journey of six months of massive chemotherapy. Chris said, I wish I could have taken the cancer out of her body and put it into my body. I would have. In the days that followed, Chris committed his entire energy to his wife's complete recovery. When she awakened from surgery, he moved a bed right there into the waiting hall. So right at the door, he slept next to her. We could wave at her and say goodnight. When she ate, he ate. When she was up, he was up with her. When she was thirsty, he drank water too. She jokingly said, stop trying to be like me all the time. He didn't stop. When they came home, Chris called a press conference to announce that he was quitting football to be with his greatest love, his wife. People went crazy. He's quitting football. She begged him, don't quit, Chris, don't quit. He says, I'm quitting. I want to be with my wife and help her recover. Through the long journey of recovery, Chris was with his wife at every step of her recovery. He did not leave her. In his spare time, he studied breast cancer and developed a vitamin regimen for his wife, so he stuffed vitamins down her. He said, you're going to get better. I'm going to medicate you up. He gave her shots, he fed her, he clothed her children. When Stephanie's hair fell out, he shaved his head so his wife could not be alone in her shame. He looked the same. He was with her when she cried. He was with her in her depression. He was with her in her recovery. He was with her at every step on the long road back to health. Isn't that what a good marriage is about, being with your spouse for better or for worse? It is true that Chris Spielman loved football. But Stephanie Spielman learned that the man who said, I do, loved her more than anything else he did. Friend, 2,000 years ago, Christ, not Chris, but Christ, Jesus, left the kingdom of heaven to save you and me. From the cancer of our personal sin on earth, Christ turned his back on that up high kingdom so he could find us way down here where we are low. He took our cancer into him, Isaiah 53 says. All of our diseases came into him. All of our sins came into him. Why? So we could experience his powerful recovery and healing. Christ shared our shame so we can share his kingdom. In Jesus, God is with us at every step of our recovery. He is Emmanuel, God with us. In our fitness for heaven, he is the one who makes us fit for heaven. But he accepts us in the journey to get there. And when you are overcome with guilt, as you will be at times in the Christian life, because the Christian life is not some consistent joy ride. There are times when you have hard times. Friend, when you feel overcome, Christ is there to forgive, sustain, and hold because he loves you. He wants to get you to the kingdom. And when you suffer illness, he suffers with you and for you. And when you lose your faith, Christians have at times, but let's not do it. Jesus is faithful to restore it and to keep you. And when you falter on the way, He never fails because He is the way, the truth, and the life. Friend, in Jesus, the kingdom of God has come. We have a Savior in the judgment. We don't have to be afraid of this pre-event judgment. It is a glorious event for God's people because it is a proxy judgment where Christ stands for His people before the judgment bar of God because He died for His people on the cross of Calvary. There is a kingdom feast at the marriage of the Lamb at the end of the age that is all about the magnificent victory of the Son. The King says, Come because the kingdom feast has already been prepared for my Son. Receive the robe as a gift and come to the feast for my Son. Do you hear the call of the King in your life? It's a personal call. Come to the kingdom feast and live forever in a high up kingdom that will never, ever Ever end and feast forever on my son God says clothed in garments of his righteousness the kingdom feast for the son hallelujah dear heavenly father I want to be in the coming kingdom personally and there's not good things in me that I can commend to thee now or in the judgment day And, Father, maybe there are a few other people like that here too today who can think of where they've sinned or where they've fallen short or just how they just haven't had the right perfect character that would pass the scrutiny of the Judgment Day. Father, I want to thank you that the scrutiny of the Judgment Day revolves around Jesus and his love for us. It revolves around whether or not we are settled in him, not ourselves but him, And, Lord, I'm grateful for Jacob, who at the river Jabbok would not let Jesus go in his preexistent form. May we never let Jesus go. And, Father, may we not have a righteousness, which is our profession, but may we have a righteousness, which is God's profession, which is Jesus' profession of us in the judgment. And, Lord, may we never tire and weary of the fact that Jesus is worthy, and in the presence of Jesus, we are worthy because of him. Father, may your people leave this day knowing that if they have come in humility and surrender to Christ, that is the condition, they are set free in Christ to live forever. Bless them, Father, with acceptance and healing forever. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Well, that will conclude The Wedding Garment. That's The Wedding Garment, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Thank you so much for listening today. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe in prayer. We believe in the God who answers our prayers and meets our needs. Each week, we are standing by to receive your prayer requests and seek God with you. His word declares, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Call our prayer line today with your requests and our team will join you in seeking that the God of heaven will meet each one of your needs. Our telephone number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart.